Welcome to the Sheila Kamel Extractive Podcast. Today I'm very pleased to welcome my brother Claude Kabemba. Claude is the Executive Director of the Southern Africa Resource Watch. Claude, welcome to the Sheila Kamel Extractive Podcast. It's wonderful to speak with you today. Thank you very much, my sister Sheila, for having me and I look forward to an inspiring conversation today. Can you just uh, give us a sense of what we mean by assets that are stranded in the extractive space and in the context of decarbonization? No, thank you so much. Uh, I think you stranded assets uh, uh, will simply mean that uh, uh, natural resources, uh, in this case, coal, oil, gas, including minerals, uh, that uh, uh, are suffering from an unanticipated write-off or write-downs, uh, what will be a premature write-downs, uh, a, a, a sort of a devaluation. Uh, 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 a devaluation even before their exploration, uh, uh, or what we can say a conversion to liabilities, uh, uh, which will then cause a potential market failure. Uh, so this becomes minerals which are good to nothing. Uh, 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 and in the context of, uh, of uh, uh, energy transition, as you know, fossil fuels, uh, scientists have told us that uh, uh, continuing with extraction of fossil fuel and the, the use of fossil fuel is equal to the extinction of the world uh, as we know it. So the fact that the, we have plenty of fossil fuel resources uh, on the African continent. You look at coal in Botswana, coal in Zimbabwe, in Zambia, with a lot of coal in South Africa and Mozambique. Uh, we are having discovery of gas around the continent in Mozambique, Tanzania. We have plenty of oil from Egypt, Nigeria, Angola, Gabon, all these, all these resources in the context of energy transition, uh, we've agreed as the world and Africa has been part of it through the Paris Agreement that these resources should not continue to be extracted because they are going to contribute to eat the atmosphere and uh, uh, deepen the climate crisis. So we need to stop uh, and they become stranded they become almost useless. Uh, so that's what they call premature write downs. Uh, they are devalued. They've got no value because they need to stay underground. Uh, uh, so that's what a stranded asset uh, will mean and in the context of, uh, of uh, the climate crisis and energy transition. Hmm. Boy, you, you've really uh, driven the message home for me. Um, first, your choice of words, I think, is so poignant. Uh, for one, 
the notion of anticipated write-off. In other words, there, there is a disruption uh, of a resource development path, which we have come to know, which is suddenly because of unanticipated factors, in this case, the need to reduce carbon uh, emissions, suddenly uh, that trajectory ceases. The second is uh, the notion of converting what are otherwise economic assets essentially into a liability. So those who find themselves in possession of these assets suddenly have not uh, an asset, but a liability, which is a burden on the uh, environment, a burden on the, the planet Earth. And finally, the notion of premature write-off, because of course, in mineral economics, we speak of a life cycle. And, and uh, the asset has reached the end of its life cycle when it's no longer economically uh, mineable. But in this case, what you're saying is we may find ourselves leaving oil while it is still economically uh, mineable or leaving coal or leaving gas because that is uh, the cost to the uh, resource-rich countries of saving the planet. I think that's very powerful. Let me then ask you a follow-up uh, uh, question then. Um, it seems to me that by rendering these assets redundant, those who are in possession of them are really contributing towards saving the world. And the countries in the North pledged something in the order of 100 billion to fund the transition by those in the South. How do we know that this is sufficient? Uh, are the countries expected to simply write off the opportunity cost or, or it, it, you know, is this, as you say, just a sunken cost? Yes, that's a, that's a very critical question. Uh, I think to, before I respond to that, I think we first need to, to understand that the climate crisis is man-made through emission of CO2. And uh, the culprit, unknown is then Western countries, the United States, the European Union countries, uh, you have China, you have uh, Russia, you have India, that have really contributed uh, to this uh, crisis that uh, we are facing today. And, uh, but the, the problem is that we have, we have reached the limit uh, of uh, our carbon emission, whether we have we we have we are the least emitting continent, we are we have to take action to limit our emission, uh, and fossil fuel need to be replaced by clean energy from solar, from wind, and uh, the transport electrification through uh, batteries for electrical vehicles. So, so now we are in an equation where Africa, considering its uh, development path where we are today, we lack finances, we lack the technology to pivot into this green energy. 
uh, it requires a lot of finances. Uh, we, we are victims of, uh, of others' uh, 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 activities. Uh, and we have made the commitment as the African continent through the Paris Agreement, just as the, the, the polluters that we are going to, uh, we are going to, 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 to agree to the commitment to, to not uh, uh, continue with emission of CO2. But there is a problem is that the gap, uh, the transition needs to be financed. And uh, we don't have the tools as the African continent. And here the tools are technology and finances. So the, the, the Western countries agreed that we are going to fund your, your energy transition. And uh, not just 100 billion once, it's 100 billion over a decade that we are going to give to Africa. Uh, and that has been agreed since 2009, up until COP 2026, COP, 20, COP 26, nothing has been done. Nothing has been given to the African continent. And when you read the current, the recent uh, United Nations report and UNDP report, in fact, they, pick, they put the figures to Africa on its own because the 100 billion uh, uh, was for developing countries. But Africa will need every year for almost 10 years, something closer to 50 billion uh, 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 US dollars on uh, uh, support for, to, to achieve that energy transition. And it has not happened. And, and my sense is that uh, uh, now the, your question is important. How did we come to decide that 100 billion is what we need to finance energy transition? And what is it for? My sense is that what was agreed, in fact, it's not to pay for, for stranded assets uh, because nobody has evaluated how much Africa will be living underground and its feet in terms of value in dollars. Uh, and the 100 billion is, uh, is uh, it's a decision which was made not based on, 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 on some uh, valuation of the assets that Africa will be, uh, will be living underground. And my sense is that that way, the role of African leadership should come in. What is it that we want to defend? And what is it that we want to protect? Uh, mm. And here, my sense is that we are not in the, we don't have the capacity because remember my sister that even in terms of knowing the reserves of the current project, the project which is are in operations, most of our governments, we don't know how much coal we have, how much oil we have. Th that knowledge sits in the hands of the private sector, which is foreign most of the time. But we don't even know what we have not discovered. We don't know what exists. And if we know, we don't know the, the quantity. So it's very difficult from our side as a continent to come up with something which will justify our request in terms of uh, 
what we need to be paid uh, to cover up for what we are abandoning in mm. terms of us. And that's a weakness. This weakness, we've raised it on the continent, that one of the problems why we negotiate bad contracts is because we don't have the information about our resources. And if we had known, if we had that information, if all the countries had the information, we should have sat and say, this is what we know about our asset that we were asking us to leave behind. And this is the value and we want to be paid. And we are not there because we don't have the information. Mm -hmm. But I think that's what we need to be asking. Uh, uh, and not, we should not be asking because the 100 billion is money that needs to serve in terms of project technology and uh, investment in new technology for Africa to move into solar energy, wind uh, energy and so on. It's not related to the stranded asset. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a gap that we have. And that's the problem that we've had with uh, African leadership in these negotiations, that they've gone in uh, to hear the decisions that are being made by others and not to go there with an agenda to defend. And that is, that's, 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 I hope COP27 will rectify that. Because my sense is that when we go to COP27, what we need to put on the table is what the, the just transition means to us. A, a just transition will mean, you are saying we abandon our coal, our oil, our gas. These are the numbers we want from there. You, we, you, you need to compensate us. Uh, secondly, we have not polluted. You have polluted. You need, we need the reparation because there are impact on climate change on our societies, on our people. How do you compensate for that? Hmm. So my sense is that we need to build an agenda. We don't have, and uh, for, for the 100 billion is not related to the loss the continent will endure mm -hmm. for not extracting its resources. And we need to come to that. We need to, to come up with, uh, with numbers. Take the example of the Congo forest, where the Congolese government is saying we need to extract our, our oil in the forest. And uh, we've got 22 billion barrel of oil in the Congo forest. We've got 66 billion uh, cube of gas. Metric cube of gas in the Congo forest. That is that are, that's that's not equivalent to 100 billion. That massive just on a on the DRC alone. But but how are we? How do we? What should we do to ensure that the rest of the world pays us? Yeah. Uh, let me uh, come in uh, because you you've said a lot. So. What you are basically saying is that the direction of travel with respect to the COPs assumes that uh, Africa rides off the assets or the rest of, or the emerging markets or other producers of these fossil fuels. Because to be fair, fossil fuels are not only in Africa. You have uh, major fossil fuel producers. Uh, Russia is one of them. 
Norway is another, Canada uh, is another, and for that matter, China, and, and they are not necessarily uh, in the development sphere. So they too will presumably suffer the consequence of this stranded asset. So I think it's important to, to, to uh, paint the accurate picture that uh, to the extent that the world walks away from fossil fuels, uh, anybody that is dependent on that uh, is going to pay the economic price. The difference, I guess, is that in uh, the emerging markets, especially countries in Africa, that level of dependency is acute. These are often single resource economies uh, whose economies revolve often around mega deposits of uh, fossil fuels, as is the case in Angola, Nigeria, uh, Algeria, uh, and for that matter, Libya. So, so that's a, the, the, the damage economically is greater. But the most important thing that you've said is basically that Europe is funding not the cost uh, or the opportunity cost of leaving the resource on the ground, but of going forward. So Europe is looking forward. The rest of the world is looking forward and saying, our money is to help you transist. Uh, you know, the, but we can't save you uh, from redundancy. So I wanted to ask you then, this idea of Europe compensating emerging market countries with a hundred billion US dollars in order to fund technology and transition, how realistic is it given that based on the estimates, the hundred uh, billion US dollars is not even enough for a decade for Africa. Is this just a pipe dream? Uh, should we not be going back to the drawing board rather than saying pay up, pay up, pay up? Shouldn't we be saying calculate, calculate, get the numbers right before uh, we even uh, consider whether it's feasible? Yeah, look, I want to, I just, I want to agree with you that uh, I agree. In fact, it's something I, I always say that uh, uh, not just is not commensurate to the challenge that Africa is, is facing, but I also don't think the, the West will pay that money to Africa. And I don't think it will ever come. Uh, and if, because it, if it had to come, it would have already been there and paid and would have seen changes. Europe is still not prepared to pay such a colossal amount to the African continent. And this is not a new phenomenon. I think we understand the cooperation between uh, the relation between Europe and Africa. I think Europe has always wanted to keep Africa as a sick uh, person we, who needs not to be cured, but who needs support continuously. And uh, I don't see, because the way the energy transition has been framed is that there are going to be winners and losers. And uh, because it's been driven by, uh, by profit, uh, those who are leading and controlling the transition uh, wants to maximize benefits. And I think that's where the problem is. You, 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 you finance Africa to become autonomous, independent on energy, uh, then you cut off that benefits you want to draw 
So I think that what I see is a continuous uh, putting Africa as dependent on uh, technology, on energy uh, that is produced somewhere, or if it's produced on the continent, but it's produced, continue to be produced by foreign uh, uh, capital and foreign companies. And uh, our uh, and African people have them to buy. And as you know, most of the people on the African continent, that those who don't have access to energy are poor people, rural people, women uh, who depend on, on charcoal, on, uh, on, uh, on agriculture, uh, on trees, just to, to, to cook. As you know, 600 million of Africans don't have access to energy, electricity. 900 million people don't have uh, access to clean cooking energy. And most of these people are women who are suffering. And if the, the entire arrangement around the energy transition is not to be fair and just to this group of people who have been abandoned, who have been left on the current model of energy, uh, energy, energy, energy access. And the problem we have with the type of arrangement where we promise to give 100 billion, which it does not come, and Africa remains struggling and thinking, we are trapped. What should we be doing? And we want to create an, another model which continues with the exclusion, marginalization of the poor and women in Africa, who will have to, 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 to buy energy, who will have to fight again to access this green energy, this clean energy. My sense is that. Africa needs to, if Africa is going to calculate, it is going to come up with numbers. Uh, it has to say, this is what we need to become independent in terms of uh, producing our own energy and our own electricity that is going to supply every single individual on the African continent. Because we have all the resources here. We've got the critical minerals uh, that the world needs to transit to clean energy. Why shouldn't this uh, attract all these investors, these uh, 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 people with technology to come and manufacture on the continent? Uh, why we've got 40% uh, of Africa uh, has got 40% of all sun energy. Uh, it means we can become the leader in energy, in solar energy. Uh, with that, uh, we also have the capacity to lead and win both on sea and. Uh, but, but but something is not correct. We think that we are beggars. Mm. But my sense, my sense is that we need to look internally. And how do we mobilize local resource mobilization? How do we extend our hands to the African philanthropists? How do we extend our hands to African private sector uh, and uh, move into sub-sub-cola cooperation uh, and uh, infuse in regional integration to be able to be on our own and move as an independent body that can, can sustain on its own? The, the thinking that, I'm not saying we should not ask for reparation, I'm not saying we should not ask for finance, but I think we need some level of effort 
domestic effort to, to start uh, resolving our problems. Mm-hmm. And that is not to let Europe out of the hook for having put us in the crisis and for, for, for but is how do we claim our comparative advantage, which we have in abundance. And, and my sense is that, uh, uh, that we, it will be a mistake to continue to think that Europe will finance our, our energy transition. I think if Europe is going to finance our energy transition, we will remain in a dependent uh, uh, relationship which we've endured for centuries. My sense is that the energy transition gives us an opportunity to change the model of access to energy. And that model uh, for, for, for the African continent is how do we ensure that everyone on the African continent, because sun is almost free, how, how do we then start to, to divide and marginalize people to access to, to, to energy produce uh, uh, sun and, uh, through, through uh, solar, solar, solar energy? How can we make it cheaper, even uh, free? For, 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 for people, for marginalized people, for poor people, most of whom are, are, are marginalized today in the current economic model. So my sense is that it's not about the 100 billion that will come from the West, it's about how do we change the economic model? Mm-hmm. How do we come to a model that uh, will, 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 will deal uh, 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 successfully in resolving uh, the problem of, uh, of poverty. Because one of the biggest problem of poverty that create poverty is lack of access to electricity, to energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that energy produces water, brings water in your house and so on. So mm-hmm. as soon as we resolve that problem and we can only resolve it on our own effort and we have the comparative advantage, I think we have plenty of resources. We have got now plenty of uh, knowledge, uh, technology, you can buy it, you can attract it, and so on. My, my, that's where I'll focus my, 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 my response. But my sense is that we go to COP27 uh, to, to define what a, a just, a just transition, energy transition mean for Africa, and what is the role of Europe, of all, uh, developed countries in that, to achieve that just transition for us. Uh, finances is okay, but is it possible for, for us as a people to, 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 to find ways to depend on ourselves first? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, so hmm. yeah, my takeaway is, is several fold. The first is that, um, the geopolitics of decarbonization here are that we revert to type, which is to say Europe looks after itself. And that when Europe goes to COP26, 27, it's with a European eye, a European interest, and a view to bettering the lot of Europe's citizens, period. And that even the 100 billion is not really to save the Africans so much as to champion an agenda that sits well with the citizens of Europe, etc. And if uh, they are winners and losers in the process, so be it. What you're saying, and I think you are right about that, the real question, I guess, is in, the, in a world in which 
you see this so clearly that the, it isn't a level playing field, uh, nor is it a purely uh, philanthropic gesture, but it is nurturing instead uh, interests uh, from political and economic blocks. How is it that the 55 member states in Africa could sign off on COPs, given that the direction of travel, to your point, does not really favor? My sense is that probably that is really where the problem is. Uh, because here and now, the way you put it, the through stranded assets, some countries, including Africa, defect or perform a public good for the rest of the world. Mm. Yeah, that's basically what it is. The question I guess that you could ask is, what is the equivalent of those in the Northern Hemisphere who polluted the world? What is their equivalent of public good? My sense is that that is where we are missing. The other point that you make, which I think is very important, is that transition to clean energy has very quickly moved from being an environmental issue to being one which is really about big business. And that those who are quick of the mark will make a killing in this transition phase. And, and that governments that do not position themselves to say, well, in this new space, what is our comparative advantage? And how can we position us? They will be on the losing end. And, 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 and I think in fairness to uh, the Americans, the Chinese, and the Russians, and everybody else, the Russians elect their government to look after them. We elect our government to look after ourselves. And my sense is that that's where we ought to drive the conversation because the notion of comparative advantage, regional integration, south to south cooperation, these have been studied, bedded, and accepted. But so far, I don't see much. And so I, I think the geopolitics of it remind us that none but ourselves. Uh, this is my take, and, and, and I think that the point that you make is important. But I want to ask you a question. In the current circumstances then, do you see the advent of stranded assets as inevitable or does Africa and emerging markets and other fossil fuel dependent jurisdictions have an alternative pathway or has the train all but left the station and there's no turning back? That question uh, takes me back to the geopolitics. Uh, I think the, the, the issue of stranded assets is still very far uh, ahead of us. Uh, when you look at how Europe has made a U-turn, 180 U-turn around its commitment to abandoning uh, fossil fuel because of uh, the short-term risks of the Russia uh, reducing its energy provision to Europe, just shows you that uh, if Europe is unable to maintain its society with all its investment in green energy today, what about Africa? Mm -hmm. Just a few months ago, Africa was under pressure to abandon immediately fossil fuels. 
What we did not know is that the Russia-Ukraine war will come and will expose the, the weaknesses and the hypocrisy of Europe. Because now Europe, unilaterally, have decided to reopen. It's called uh, energy uh, facilities. And Europe is investing, is buying coal from all over the world, is traveling to pursue, to, to pursue countries to increase production of coal, of oil, of gas. And we have abandoned our commitment to the climate change, uh, the Paris Agreement. Now, this is my response. My sense is that Africa should not fall into that trap that Europe is putting us by asking us to increase to coal. I see South Africa has increased selling coal. Botswana is producing. We want to sell coal and so on. It's, a, it's a, because most of our fossil fuel, with the exception of South Africa, which produce coal, produce electricity, most of our countries, our fossil fuel targets, uh, uh, but South Africa also, uh, external market. And the, most of the investment also is foreign. Now, for, for Europe, I think Europe can meet its energy, green energy uh, capacity very quickly. And they are investing massively in that. As soon as they've done that, they've achieved that, they are going to dump our coal, our oil, our gas. And, we'll not, and, the, and that when it will become real standard asset because we, we cannot consume them. We only depend on market. Our eyes is on revenue. So my sense is that that's a trap uh, because we don't consume those fossil fuels. And our leaders, if the, the fossil fuels, we were adding value on the continent, our oil, we add value here, our gas, and then we, we provide electricity. We can't do it because it's mega investment, it's big infrastructure to do that compared to solar, 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 solar energy, which is more simple, can be decentralized, can focus on communities, can go fast. We don't need too much installation, mega infrastructure to provide that electricity to, to, to villages and so on. So we are in a trap. But if we don't think quickly, we will think that, oh, we are receiving a lot of money now, revenue, but that revenue does not help the people. It's captured by the elite, the African elite. Because if really fossil fuel is helping the continent, who should have been developed today? Because most of the Angola production of oil for, for decades, Nigeria and so on, we've not seen people uh, benefiting from that. Even today, producing, I hear the, the African Union, our leaders say, we need time to produce our fossil fuel. Yes, but let's not forget that this is the time to start investing in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in green energy, in clean energy. We have an opportunity. If we, we close our eyes and get trapped into Europe need for, for fossil fuel, it's very periodic. It's very short term. Europe will turn around and will force us to abandon our fossil fuel. Uh, but this is my response is that we can do both. Mm -hmm. I don't think we can abandon fossil fuel today. Uh, I, I also, I think we need to do both. What I, my argument is that we don't need to invest in new discovery of fossil fuels. We need to continue with, uh, with, with Project Twitter in operation now. Let's continue producing that because these are already active. Uh, and then let's invest in, in, uh, in green energy. Let's do both. 
simultaneously. Uh, but let's let's be let's not invest in new geological studies to discover new and invest for something we know we like it or not. As some as some said, it will have to stop because not because because the world, the situation that it will force us to stop for our own existence. So 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 my sense is that that's the. That the, that's the middle ground. Let's do both for now, because everybody's doing it. But also we cannot just cut when we've got an alternative, we don't have an alternative. But let's only focus on current project and let's invest massively in green energy. Fantastic. Well, I suspect I'll be speaking with you some more, but uh, my takeaway here is that um, at least in the short term, the conversations from uh, COP26 have been derailed. Uh, I look with some real interest at uh, what the agenda for COP27 is going to be, because uh, I don't see us moving ahead on the basis of business as usual. Nevertheless, thank you very much for joining the Shilakama Extractive Podcast. Uh, I have enjoyed our conversation and suspect that uh, we will continue the conversation in the near future. Thank you, Claude. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.